It's Tuesday, the 3rd of October, and you're listening to the Women's Football Talk podcast. Hello and thank you for listening to another edition of the WFT podcast. The opening weekend of the new WSL season filled us to the brim with talking points. It was a very busy Sunday and we've got quite a bit to go through. It's myself, Brad Morris, and I'm joined by Regan Walsh, as ever. Let's try and unpack as much as what happened as we can. Firstly, did you have a nice Sunday? Did you? Yeah, very very busy to say the least I mean good to have the football and talking points back in a competitive sense obviously we had the Nations League a few weeks back and obviously the World Cup back in July and August but to me you can't ever beat club football the emotion the passion of the fans on a week in week basis it's something I love and enjoy yeah I think by the end of it as well first opening weekend back you look, you look at it and think yes six games that strap in and enjoy and then by the end of it, you're like oh god right that, that was a lot that was, that was a lot yes but safe to say at the end of it all we were just left in a certain way in particular and i can't think how would we describe that I can't think it, it's right on the tip of the i mean i'm so fucking tired I'm... <laughs> uh that genuinely has already won moment of the season, but week one and... Week of the season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Fast. I, at the time, I wanted to react in a funny way, so, and I did. I always tried to, but it was against my um, team. So I'm just like, dear Lord, what a sad little life you must lead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but that was a there helping me out in, to describe how I felt after that. After the weekend? Yes. And, well, I guess we have to go straight in. Where do we start? I think it has to be the Emirates. Because Arsenal, yeah, beaten in front of a record WSL crowd by Liverpool. Not the start they wanted at all. I thought it was the first time Arsenal haven't won that opener since 2017. Which they drew, I can't remember who it was against. But not ideal. That and not great watching that. No. no. Um, again, a bit like the game against Paris FC. They just, uh, in the Champions League, they just looked all over the place. Simple errors they were making. They just, they didn't look like a collective at times. It just was really strange to see from them. Uh, I mean, only uh, Alessia Brusso and Chloe Lacasse of the new signing started in that game, uh, we did see Amanda Illestet and Kyra Cooney crossing the second half. So it's not really like it was much of a changed Arsenal, Arsenal from uh, what we saw last season. So it's it's a little bit worrying to see how bad they looked. Yeah, like it left a lot to be desired. Like they didn't didn't look like there was much in terms of creativity. A lot was not going on in the wide areas rather than centrally. That's it. Since I was like yeah, Liverpool well, I manager mean, Matt Bead was talking about afterwards that they tried to set up that way and, and stop that from happening, but Arsenal just never looked like they imposed themselves. I, mean, I think I saw a stat on Sunday after the game that uh, 
they attempted 38 crosses, Arsenal, but only eight of them were successful. That's outrageous. It's really, really worrying, that is. Yeah, like, this isn't an Arsenal team that's lacking creativity, is it? Like, you could do, they're left doing a lot of crosses and none of them were working out for them, really. Is there a structural issue currently within this team? Yeah, it's, I, I, I mean, just looking at the game, uh, the formation that they supposedly lined up with, uh, it was a 3-4-3. Three, three. So you had back three of Catley, Beatty and Ruben Moy. And then midfield four of McCabe, Volte, Little and Lacasse. And then the forward three of Ford, Russo and Leonardo and Mornham. Which, to me, just looking at that is very baffling because... Uh, Frida Leonardo Mornham is not a naturally wide right player. She's more of a eight or a ten. Uh, and then Chloe Lacasse as well. I'm sure she's a forward. Yet they've got her playing as like a makeshift wing back. So yeah, I'm just she like was basically playing right wing back. Where I'd, I'd like I haven't seen much of her, but I'm fairly certain defending is not a strength for her. No, no. I mean, she's a known goal scorer uh, from her time at Benfica and uh, with the Canadian national team. So it's just uh, uh, very confusing to see her that deep. And then I know Kate McCabe likes to play as like a wing back. She is probably one of the best wing backs in the game. But uh, I think it just didn't seem to work that whole style of play for Arsenal. Now, and if you're going to do wing backs, they they do have someone who also is capable of doing that on the right side in Victoria Pullover, who did it very well for the Netherlands against England, like less than a week mm-hmm. ago. Or even if they wanted to move um, Steph Catley over there, because how many times is or Katie McCabe on the right hand side? Because how many times during the World Cup did we see Steph Catley get forward for Australia on uh, their left hand side? So. It was a very, very uh, confusing afternoon for Arsenal. Yeah, like this was also a loss to a team that couldn't believe this when I heard it as well. Is it true Liverpool didn't win an away game last season? Or they may have... Yeah, I think it's either they didn't win or they'd only won once uh, away from home. It's, it's a very strange stat uh, because of how poor their away form away from uh, Prenton Park was. It was really bad so that doesn't surprise me at all uh, credit to Liverpool they played very well defensively the standouts for me Taylor Hines Gemma Bonner was there there's, there's definitely like way more names in that list that I can name but Liverpool's transition as well was so quick if it's yeah, in that it looked, they were just... let you go it looked so silky smooth like you honestly watching that you'd think uh, Arsenal were the team that struggled last season and Liverpool were like near title challengers because of how good they looked on the uh, counter-attack and it just really worked for uh, Matt Beard's side. Another player who I thought played really well for Liverpool was their goalkeeper, Rachel Laws. I mean, she made some absolutely fantastic saves during that game. Yeah, she was very good. Just sticking with Liverpool's transition as well, it just always caused problems it's just drawing arsenal answer them every time yeah yeah it's just 
crazy how uh, simple it seemed to be for him and how much uh, problems it was causing for Jonas Odevald's side. What surprised me even as well, being at the Emirates, being in front of a record WSL crowd, they just never felt like, did they, were they playing the occasion almost rather than like getting serious and like, this, this is the, se- the season started now guys, we have to get the points. We can't be dropping. We know Chelsea are perfect. We have to be on it. Yeah. It's one of them, though, where they've played at the Emirates enough times now over the last 12 to 24 months where they should be used to 40-plus. I know this was a new uh, record in 54,000-plus fans, but they should be used to playing in that type of atmosphere now, and I don't think you can say playing to the occasion is really an excuse for that, considering how many times they've played at the Emirates with a record attendance or in games with record attendances. Yeah, and sticking on the margin of error as well, being as tight as it would make you look, it makes you look at a defeat like this and think, oh, God, it's devastating, isn't it? Chelsea, yeah. though, they did lose their opener last season, still won the league. It's not the end of the world <clears throat> for Arsenal, but like you look at the next match, like however they are right now, they're playing Manchester United next Friday, on Friday. And that already feels massive in context of the season and being title challenges. Oh, 100%. Like having to face another top three or four side uh, so early on after you lose uh, your opening game is something you don't want to be doing. You're wanting to be facing another side, no disrespect to Bristol City, but obviously a newly promoted team, you'd expect Arsenal to win that game. Uh, where if you're coming up against the title challengers, it's really, really hard. You know, you're going to have to be on your A game. I mean, one final stat uh, for you, uh, I saw as well, that this is the first time Arsenal have lost three games in a row, league games in a row. So if we count back to two last uh, season, the ending, so Chelsea and Aston Villa on the final day, it's the first time since uh, May 2014 that they've lost three league games in a row. When... The manager at the time, Shelley Kerr, ended up resigning from her position. What are you trying to say here? <laughs> Could Jonas Eindhoven be under pressure? Oh, I don't know. It feels early, doesn't it? It feels like the first time he's yeah. properly been under it, but he has got to change this. That's like This kind of run wouldn't be acceptable at Arsenal. They have to be no, up there I think... challenging. I think... You lose to Manchester United, mm. maybe. I mean, I say all jokingly, but I think if we're in a position come uh, just before the Christmas break, if Arsenal aren't amongst the top uh, four and are still playing like this, then I think we could actually consider his position. But at this minute in time, no. I think changes need to be made, uh, especially ahead of this Friday's big game against Manchester United, like you say. They just, I don't, right, do they need to like, change the whole setup? Do they have a team right now that is capable of being pragmatic enough in the same way a Chelsea is? Like, why are they not playing for free free instead? Why was why was wing backs utilised? It didn't work. No, I think what what I've noticed with Arsenal though, uh, when they come to play against the so called lesser sides in the WSL is they do tend to play with wing-backs because they want them as high up as the 
on the pitch as they can be and pinning uh, the whole opposition team back as far as possible so that they can try and put in crosses and work their way into the box and have more space to run on the wings. But it, it just doesn't seem to work. There's more times or not when they end up having to change personnel or change formation throughout the game and then it start working for them. Um, so I do think maybe a change of tactical system is something that's needed. Obviously, you'd expect for this weekend, uh, yeah, this weekend, we're still, as we're talking for, against Man United, you'd expect to see uh, a different setup. Maybe not personnel-wise, but uh, how they play against Man United, you'd expect to see a different one because I think um, Man United could easily score uh, a good few goals against that Arsenal team if they played like that against them. Yeah, it's uh, more on Manchester United lads, I think. That's what I just thought about with Arsenal. Do they underestimate Liverpool a little bit? Is it the, the thing that we saw in the World Cup a lot of the big teams yet again underestimating those who they would maybe think haven't got the capabilities to get at them and then they realise, well, Wait, hang on, they've, they've come at us. Hang on. I feel like they did, but it's one of them where I think this Arsenal team still is quality enough to put in the challenges and all the attacks to make it harder for Liverpool, and they should be able to score goals. But I just, I am a little bit perplexed as to why they didn't seem to do that. and team at half speed compared to what Liverpool were playing at. Yeah, as we said, Arsenal played Manchester United on Friday. That's one to keep an eye. We'll probably review that first come the next podcast next week. As much as that is on a Friday and a lot a few more days before we record, but I'm looking forward to that one. It should be an interesting game. We'll move on. Mm-hmm. We'll next... Uh, Aston Villa 1, Manchester United 2. Yeah, that's enough. We don't need to talk about that one anymore. That's... that's uh, yeah. Uh, why? Definitely why? a Tales of Two Halves. Why is it always Manchester United? It doesn't matter. But the men's team, the women's team, Manchester United will put on this earth to annoy me. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, two very... Well, I mean, all the goals in that game were uh, very late on. All action was uh, late on. Sunday uh, lunchtime. Yeah. I mean, the first half, both teams had one or two chances. Nothing really testing either keeper too much. No. Well, first half, you were there in person. You watched it. I was not. I sadly did end up missing at the end. COVID was too much for me to make the travel. But watching at home, yeah, stress. Was still there. It was a late. Wo- I mean, yeah, you can yeah. definitely. See- okay, I was going to say it was a late Go winner on. from Rachel Williams at a game with a couple of interesting refereeing calls, which which is interesting because we could take two different yeah. perspectives of one was in the stadium, one was not. So, like, yeah, I'm trying to. Although we say this because do, do we want to make public what happened with you? Uh, well, oh, I still saw the whole like gang back. We can leave my health. Alan, what happened? As well. I got ill during the game, so I had to leave early, unfortunately. Oh, incidentally, but... everything started happening as you left as well. 
Yes. Um, but yeah, it's definitely an interesting refereeing decisions to say the least in that one. Um, she didn't seem, well, in the first half, certainly, she seemed to be very uh, booking uh, happy. I mean, four yellow cards in the first half, two aside, Lucy Barker, Rachel Corsi, JC Ferreira, and Ella Tuna. It seemed to be like you couldn't even say a word to the referee and she would end up booking the player well, uh, during that first that half. That is the thing. It, it appears that the Premier League rule that we've seen this season is now taking effect in the WSL as well for this season. So we're going to see um, a lot more yellows, which I think is probably the, the best when you see some calls that go away sometimes, especially last season. Yeah, I think so. I, I agree that it shouldn't be like a, a high level of like dissent or lack of um, respect towards the referee. But I think you should allow the player to have a conversation or like one or two words with the referee at, at that said junction. So um, I think it was El Toon was complaining about a corner, I think it was, or a throw in that didn't go Manchester United's way. And it seemed like as soon as she said anything to the referee straight away, she got yellow card in. I'm just like, let her say some, what she wants to say, as long as she doesn't show disrespect to the referee. I'm guessing that and was... can explain why. I'm guessing that was clear in the stadium that she had received a yellow. Yeah. After that, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to be sure on that one. But, but the one I want to talk on is my Letizia in the second half. I think you had gone by this point, so you hadn't seen it in stadium. But and this I have is a seen foul. The challenge yeah. on Rachel, yeah, like the on Rachel Daly, Rachel, no, the Ebony Salmon. Hmm. Uh, uh, one everyone's literally talking about, where she just doesn't look at the ball, where she just decides to collide with Ebony Salmon. I thought it was on about was it the slide tackle she did on Rachel Daly? Well, there's that as well. But it's weird because you were still there at that point, but from my view. Okay. It's very 50-50 and a bit subjective. I think on we'll speak on that one first. Um, it's, uh, for me, like you say, very 50-50. She gets the ball first and then there's a tiny bit on Rachel Daly. But I think the way Rachel Daly uh, acts like uh, she got fouled is bonkers to me because she makes it so dramatic, like the way she's flopping on the floor. I'm like... She hasn't been taken out by a feckin' sniper. Very little has. Oh, God, I don't It's a fair 50-50 challenge. Uh, well, I don't know if it was I a fair... I don't think you can call it a fair 50-50 challenge, but for me, maybe... It was difficult to tell whether the, how much contact there actually was. And that was even on the TV was, perspective. I think there was a tiny, like... Co- there was contact, but nothing to uh, make go down as much as uh, she seemed to have gone down uh, Like I think as she's sweeping the ball away from Daly she does catch her legs ever so slightly but I don't think even if there was VAR in the WSL I don't think that gets given I'm ready to start the VAR conversation I don't, don't think I am <laughs> if I'm being perfectly honest the way that is currently in football in general that's a discussion for another time but I do want to talk about the one that everyone has discussed with my Letizia. It's a clear, clear foul on Ebony Summer. Uh, yeah, definitely so. Um, I think what 
uh, Carl Ward said after the game is the consistency and the professionalism of uh, the referees is just it's something that needs improving and uh, I think whilst we've got uh, not full-time referees or as highly qualified then I don't think we will see uh, them sort of decisions given like for me this is Disney in a case of oh, full-time official or not it's, it's a basic thing you can clearly see that she's not got an eye on the ball she's clearly trying to block her off like I disagree with Carla Ward in saying that it's a red card like it, it's not sending off offence but it's a yellow yeah. card and a free kick definitely yeah I think th- there's a lot of stuff that like these sort of tackles that you need to like figure out and work around uh, how we get the officiating better because yeah, like you say it is a bit of basic uh, officiating that they need to do better but if they can't do that then you've got to be questioning why can't they do stuff like that good enough uh, well I don't think it was a red card personally as well yeah as Carl Ward is right saying you it's hard to blame the officials in themselves. Um, you have to blame it on the powers that be that need to put the training in place. Definitely. And that's why that's where the investment needs to go as well. It's important to keep growing that aspect of it just as much as the whole game. Yeah. But to the old red card offence, uh, yeah, Kirsty answer probably was rightly sent off. For me, sadly. Yeah. It was... Yeah, I don't... Was it yeah. yeah, it was an unfortunate one that she definitely didn't mean, but she knew instantly, and I don't think she could have many arguments that she wasn't. She seemed like she knew what she'd done in that moment. Yeah, definitely. And a I big mean, player we're missing for a few games now. Yeah. I mean, straight away, uh, my head go with that challenge, he went back to... Um, do you remember Nani's challenge against Real Madrid in the Champions League about a decade or so no. ago now? I'm just going to be straight away. No. Absolutely well, not. It was, it, it was a very similar offence. High foot, um, obviously not intentional, uh, but was also shown a red card. And that one still annoys me to this day because that definitely wasn't a red card. But I think here you can quite see uh, it's more like the motion of the foot from... Uh, Hanson and how he seems to connect uh, on a United player I can't remember who it was uh, I think it was always going to be uh, a red card offence yeah Hayley Ladd was the player talking the game now and Manchester United's belief late in games it still exists from last season Villa had the moments we can say but a lot of it was focused on the defensive side of things I thought we were pretty good actually in that Aspects. I don't know if it, what it was like in stadium, but we looked like we defended well, even if United did get behind at times. Daphne Van Damsel are goat already. <laughs> yeah. I mean, although she was on the losing side of it on her debut, yes, yeah, she put in an excellent performance. And certainly um, through the first half when United tried to start things off and you was, try, uh, you was, was testing out how JC was going to do on the right-hand side for... Man United, uh, they definitely seemed strong Villa's defence, but I think as the game wore on, United definitely grew their confidence, and uh, I think the substitutions uh, that Mark Skinner made, um, 
definitely helped change the game. Obviously, bringing on Rachel Williams uh, for JC and then bringing on Nikita Paris as well just helped freshen uh, the things up for Man United. Yeah, once the red card happened, like space opened up a lot more. It created a more open game, yeah. and obviously from that as well. Weirdly, Villa took the lead. <laughs> Rachel Daly yeah, carrying within, on. Was it from last season? It was a great finish. Beautiful finish from Daly. I mean, was it like two minutes if that uh, after Hansen got sent off and Villa were taking the lead? Two minutes after you'd gone. Suddenly, uh, <laughs> I was like, yes. Yeah. I mean, you're not going anymore. Craziness. <laughs> But yeah, um, really good uh, finish from Daly. And again, like we said in the preview uh, last week, she can definitely be up there for the Golden Boot again. Yeah, it was weird at the first half. She wasn't involved as much. Like, we were struggling to connect for the defence to the attack. Yeah. We were trying to pass it up, which, which was always going to be tough against that United team. We were very good at breaking that down. And then... Then he long balls attempted. Some would be finding themselves offside. Some actually did work out and we would try and get a chance from there. I think Layman had a very good one which she got through and it's like, oh, you've got to score that. Yeah. I think the half-time substitution of bringing on uh, Ebony Summer for Laura Blinkilda-Brown definitely helped I thought she was all right. change Villa. Villa Brown from what I saw of her. Oh, she yeah, was pretty good. She was... Yeah, she was good, but I think it just... Uh, made Rachel Daly too much on her on her own, and no strike partner or midfield partner to try and work with. Where the addition of uh, Ebony Summon made it easier for Villa in attack in that sense. Yeah, I want to talk about before we talk about the you know like goals. The other standout players are JC looked impressive when she was on the ball. I don't know who was on the left again. It was Dan Turner. She. Thought like it was mixed, but then there were moments where she was doing very well against her, and then there were moments where Jace gone, and then Turner has to tackle her. Yeah, it's one where you can see she's only a couple of weeks into her time in England, but she is looking very impressive already, JC, and she could cause a lot of problems for defenders up and down the league throughout this season. Yeah, and I also wanted to shout out Lucia Garcia. You might have been right about that. I remember you saying something. So he's like, this is going to be the season for Lucia Goss here. And yeah, there she is. I told yeah. you. Yeah. Unfortunately, it has happened in this match. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she was in the right position for uh, the level. I managed to poke home uh, the ball after it falls towards her feet. And yeah, I I don't know. There's just some sort of confidence in me this season that I had to saying that uh, she would be the breakout star of the WSL this year because of what has changed at the club and expecting her to get more minutes from the start yeah and for the Villa perspective as well I wanted to say Lucy Parker looked pretty good even if it was sort of but she was playing the way we're not used to seeing her she was a lot further up the field at yeah, times like a holding is, midfielder yeah and, hey, there were moments where she was getting some good runs off I was thinking yep do that more <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I think for Villa's perspective, obviously they're going to be annoyed losing Kirsty Hansen. But going forth, there's a lot of promise in this team and are still very highly in on them. And then Man United, uh, final bit on them, I think getting 
the result is obviously key if they're wanting to be a title challenger and uh, scoring late goals is what Rachel Williams does best. Yeah, it's annoying from an opposition <laughs> perspective. And yeah, massive confidence boost for Manchester United ahead of what is a massive game now on Sunday. Like you beat Arsenal as well. That gives you... Friday. What did I say? Did I say? You said Sunday. Oh, honestly, I'm just used to Sundays at this point. <laughs> but yeah, like Friday's match is a chance to really show people... Actually, we're, we're going to be title challengers still. You all thought we were going to struggle maybe this season, but no, we're still we're still fighting for this title. Yes, we're not out of it yet. We've barely started. Right, uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, on to the rest of the weekend's games now, and we'll head over to Stamford Bridge now for what was the conclusion of the weekend's action here in England for Chelsea versus Tottenham Hotspur. Chelsea winning 2-1. Mia Fischel on her official Chelsea uh, debut. Don't uh, smile on me like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what uh, past like week to 10 days, she had making her first start uh, for the United States uh, and then uh, getting a goal for Chelsea. It's just absolutely brilliant last couple of weeks for her. Yeah, she seems to be buzzing with it. Afterwards, see the reaction here and on Sky as well. She seems like a, just a nice person in general. She could be a yeah, long she... career if for her if she's scoring goals like that all the time. Yeah, I mean, the fact that her and Lauren James are the same age, like they could form a lethal partnership up front for Chelsea for easily for the next five to ten years. Yeah, I was going to say that was a very promising thing to have come out of this match. Like, no, Sam Kerr. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, but do you think on Chelsea's overall performance now? Yeah, I think there's enough to be positive about. To start with, they got their mm-hmm. business done. Essentially, positives all around. Yeah, the talent they have as well. It's clear in just the depth they've got. Like it's frightening, as we expected it to be. Yeah. I also want to praise Tottenham a little bit. I thought they had a lot of good moments. They were clearly trying to be positive in what is a very tough away match, but credit to them for making a good game of it. I thought they looked quite robust. Yeah, definitely looked um, more promising than what we saw at Spurs last season. I mean, uh, Interesting Grace hearing Clint. him talk before the match as well. Robert Villeman. Well, everyone's getting his name wrong. Villeman. Villeman, I think. Or Villeman. Villeman. Other... Like, even we're doing it now. We'll just call him Robert. <laughs> no, Rob, right? <laughs> yeah, all right, Robbie. Follow us on Twitter. Yes. Uh, yeah, like he was talking about the style. I think we mentioned this in the last podcast. If they can get the style that the men's team is playing as well and they could put that down to the women's team as well, mm. like, they might get positive results out of that. And I thought they were at least trying to do that in this. Yeah, I mean, um, I think Olga Artanen on her debut, she looked really uh, promising. Grace Clinton as well. I think she had her moments where you're like, okay, she's going to do really well for uh, Spurs this season. Yeah, you as a Manchester United fan going soon. Yes. Maybe we're at sell this one. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 
Uh, yeah, but going back to Chelsea, the talent they have gives them a chance to play with different methods, different styles, creates good competition against yeah. the whole team as well, which pushes them to be better and just just to try and play at a higher level as well. Makes it interesting to see how it all plays out throughout the season for them. Definitely so. I mean, the rotation that MAS is going to have available to her when all players are fully fit is really going to be incredible and it is going to be a tough one of like who do you leave out because the squad is so talented and so big well that's the thing I think they can leave a couple out and still look alright as we saw in this one they went with Johanna writing Canary who last season didn't start as many games but she got a start this one and looked good of course mm-hmm and then the goalkeeper situation, I mean, uh, it was Zachira Mosovic who got the start over and Katrin Berger in this one. Obviously, she made the mistake for the Spurs it was a uh, goal. Like, wasn't a good one, was it? No. But, I mean, the fact that you can leave out and Katrin Berger is just incredible. Yeah, and we could also say from last season, like, leaving Hannah Hampton entirely is like a, a mad one as well. But that's yeah. the Chelsea goalkeeping situation currently that's just how it is it's one that i'm sure yeah. will be discussed a lot this season as i said positives all around for chelsea although there's a question that i can have it's not on the squad but the club itself rather the attendance surprised a few people and there's been a bit of a talking point well we can say they might not reach the emirates level stamford bridge obviously doesn't have the same capacity for that there is an expectation still that the numbers should be a bit higher. Like, neither of us are Chelsea fans, so from the outside, it's easy to think that it's a numerous amount of factors. Is um, this something the club needs to sort out or try and get more people in? Or what is the reason why this number was maybe not as high as expected? I don't know. I actually not too sure why it wasn't. So it was only fourteen thousand seven hundred or so. Uh, but I feel like when it comes to Arsenal, the way they promote their games on social media and encourage fans to buy tickets is better than what any team in their league do. But I don't think Chelsea just do. I feel like you just see, okay, tickets are on sale at uh, the ground uh, for this game. Here you are. Yeah, I also don't really it. push it as much. I also wonder if. It- like in a weird way, just sort of bleed down from the men's team as well. The whole reception around the higher ups in the club currently, I guess. Like, does that maybe have a factor already? There was a whole thing about the tickets being £50 as well, which obviously sounds outrageous, but I think that maybe was slightly overboard. That was only a couple of areas, whereas the other normal areas were definitely not that price. Yeah, and also the fact that Chelsea men played the following evening, so maybe fans just didn't do, want to do back-to-back evening games because obviously with that being, was it a 6.45, half-six kickoff? The thing I would say to uh, that, though, also, is Villa also had the men's team play at Villa Park the, the day before. So I don't know. Yeah, it, but my, yeah I, get, I get what you're trying to say, but I don't know if that's the same I think, thing we like, can use. And, and also kind of as well. Sunday evenings, yeah, uh, no, for half five yeah. kickoffs, it's you got kids to worry about for school the following day, all this and the other. So it's things that they need to look at to do better. But uh, 
Yeah, it is a bit strange. I mean, four time in a row they've won the league, yet they can't even get 15,000 at their stadium. The first weekend is a bit of a shame. Yeah, it's an unfortunate thing. And I think for a team as good as Chelsea, they deserve to have the fans in and as, as big a crowd as they can get. That's something for them to, to work out and hopefully improve as the, as the season goes on. I think they want to start playing at Stamford Bridge a lot more as well from what I've seen. So yeah. you can only hope in time that the crowd grows with that. And, of course, they get used to playing there. They've won every game they've played there, I believe. Yeah, as far as I'm... I saw the Shilling Casorist after the game saying that they're yet to lose. No, but uh, well, in we're, a game we're not counting paper. the Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, I mean... WSL yeah, games they've played there, excluding yeah. not uh, Champions League as well. Yeah, oh, and that stuff to think about with Chelsea. We'll go for the other WSL results then. Bristol City 2, Leicester City 4. It's a good start for Leicester. Top of the league. Stop the count, they claim. Stop. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I, Coming from a goal down as yeah. well. Yeah. To win that one. Yeah, and I think we could say there's a few positives of Bristol City as well. They look like they've got a goal in them and I guess when you're playing teams like Leicester I don't expect Leicester to still be up there for money so they will drop eventually it's still very early in the season but enough yeah. positives I think for Bristol yeah I mean Carrie Jones what an excellent debut she Her had goal. Uh, for them yeah beautiful goal um, but yeah I think like you say there's definitely some positives you can see in this Bristol City squad it's going to be a long season um, but yeah credit to Leicester and getting uh, the result they needed to gain a goal, I think just before half-time, definitely helped change them and give them the motivation they needed. And then getting two early goals in the second half from uh, Jutta Rantala and Lena Petterman definitely helped kill the game off, I think. Yeah, good something. Uh, that's going to look good on you when you start predicting them and finishing in eight. Yep, Regan knows ball. Right. Uh, are we, we going last... to ignore Liverpool though in no? Still, eh, it's only one game. Um, the final two games, we'll just finish off with them quickly before looking ahead to this weekend's games because we have been going on for quite a while now. It's been 40 minutes, it's all right. Oh, it's, it feels like we've been going on longer. Uh, Manchester City, they managed to beat West Ham United by two goals to nil. Lauren Hemp and uh, Jill Rod scoring her first goal for Manchester City. Good start for Gareth Taylor side even though they did uh, lose Leila Wahabi to a straight red card in the second half. Yeah, oh, I can't lie. I actually hadn't seen that one yet, so no, it's hard I, for me to actually... But yeah, hard for me to make an opinion of it until I've seen it, but a good win for Man City. Jill Rod, debut goal. Yeah. Return to really the WSL starts very well. It's positive for Manchester City ahead of a big match on Sunday. Yes. Uh, and then finally, Brighton and Hover have been beaten Everton by two goals to one. Elizabeth Turland with uh, both the goals very early on for Melissa um, Phillips' side. And they looked really, really good. Yeah, I think for, for what I'd seen, only the odd clip that was just a Brighton's goals. They were good, well taken goals. Elizabeth Turland is a player they may look to. Now this season, yeah. you build around a striker that scores goals, that can only bring positives to this team. Yeah, definitely, definitely can do. And uh, 
very positive thinking going forward. Everton, I mean, it may only be the first game of the season, but if it's a game like this, you really don't want to be dropping points because, like I said in my prediction, I am expecting like, them to careful, have a bit of a long what season. We, careful what we say. Brian Sorensen might be listening. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think it's a bit of a, an, a weird one losing your first game to the season, but you can't really read too much into it yet because there's still 21 more games to go. So you'd never want to be on the losing side of the... But, um, yeah, unfortunately for them, that was the case this weekend. Yeah, I agree on that one. And it would be harsh to look at a table right now. It's very early, as we said. Leicester currently top of it on goal difference. But yeah. All the all round, Jurassic first weekend. More, yep. more of the same, talk. please. Exactly. Only with uh, a, we're only with a Villa win next time, please. <laughs> right. Uh, let's have a look to this weekend's games. Uh, so, as we've alluded to many times now, Manchester United versus Arsenal is what kicks us off this weekend on Friday evening at half past seven. Uh, the rest of the fixtures take place on Sunday. We have two uh, early games with Brighton and Hove Albion taking on West Ham. Manchester City taking on Chelsea and then uh, the rest of the games are Tottenham versus Bristol City, Leicester versus Everton and then Liverpool versus Aston Villa to round things off. Two really good games this weekend. Yeah, can't wait. Manchester United versus Arsenal. So much narrative. Alessia Russo returning to Lee Sports Village. The whole Mary Ope situation over the summer as well. Yeah, everything. Arsenal have to bounce back. Just play uh-huh. a good performance, maybe even like must win. Like United have a yeah, good chance to really prove everybody wrong. It's going to be a yeah. great one this uh, on Friday. Yeah, really excited for it. Roll it on. Yeah, and Manchester City against Chelsea, the biggest game on the Sunday. That feels huge. Also, a chance for Manchester yeah. City to really put a marker down at Chelsea as well. Yeah. If they're going to send a statement, it's let's win against Man City and let's win convincingly yeah definitely so uh, right any other talking points you want to have uh, look at before we finish none or I, that I hadn't had much no I didn't have anything else uh, that brings to a conclusion this week's podcast a little bit of a well by our standards it's, it's a short one <laughs> what we have done so far we're still still trying to find a format really we could say we're getting there it's only the fourth episode but we're enjoying it mm-hmm. as the seasons go on we'll get as the season goes on not seasons as the season goes on we'll get better and uh, we'll have plenty more to talk about again yeah. uh, as it brings us to a conclusion there'll be content coming from us the rest of the week the Manchester United Arsenal preview will be out on Friday you said <laughs> I think it was said yeah, yes. yeah Friday morning just before match day you can obviously check that out when it comes out we'll have another vid before that as well looking at what went wrong with Arsenal in their, their match yep. against Liverpool doing a bit of bit of dissecting in that regard and some other stuff maybe on Substack as well where can I get all that then? Yeah, so if you want to watch all these videos that we have coming out make sure you head over to our YouTube channel Women's Football Talk uh, so go over there, subscribe, turn on the post notification bell so you never miss a video that we upload. And like you said, on our Substack website for all articles and pieces, that's womensfootballtalk.substack.com for all, all that stuff. And if you want to follow us on social media, 
it's obviously on Twitter and on Instagram. Just search for Women's Football Talk and you'll find us there. And with that, thank you for listening. Give us a rating on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening to your podcast. So with that, we will see you next week.